Well, we're in a series, we're starting today, a brand new series that's, we're, we're titled Called, Called. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 4 to kick off this series. I was in Birmingham this week uh, getting invested in by one of the pastors that really invested in my life, Pastor Chris Hodges, so grateful for Church of the Highlands and, and Pastor Chris and his team. And so it was a very beneficial couple of days of being there, being invested in. And, and some of the, the thoughts for, for, for this particular message came from Pastor Chris, so love him, appreciate him so much. And I want to begin reading in verse number 18. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you. And I, as you can see on the screen, I, I left a blank there. I didn't finish that verse. And some of you know what goes in that verse. You know, you know what it says. And there are others of you that don't know exactly what it says. And if you were to guess what it would say, some of you would say, well, I think it says, follow me and I will make you holy. And that's a good guess, but it would be wrong. Some of you would say, well, I think it says, follow me, and I will get sin out of your life. But that's not what it says either. Some of you would say, well, I think it says, follow me, and I'll make you real spiritual. You'll want to pray and read your Bible all the time, but, but that's not what it says. Some of you would say, I think it says, follow me, and I'll make you real deep. You're going to learn the Greek and... You're going to learn the Hebrew, and you're going to shout a lot and dance a lot and make spiritual faces. Come on, how many of you have seen some people under the anointing, and they, they make weird faces? Have you ever seen some people like that? They, 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 I got the anointing, they make faces like... Those are called spiritual faces, amen. I don't make them very often, thank you, Lord. But anyways, uh, that, that's not what it says either. Some would say, I think it says... If I follow Jesus, he'll make me more real organized and disciplined, but it doesn't say that either. Or, or he'll make me a better student or a better husband or wife or dad or mom, but it doesn't say that either. Jesus didn't come to make us any of those things. Now, now God offers many of those things for us, but that's not why he came. That's not primarily what he asked his followers to do. That verse says this, Matthew 4, verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, you have been fishing for fish, but fellas, I'm going to now make you fishers of people. Luke's gospel says it like this in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 10. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You'll fish for people. Jesus says, hey, guys, you've been fishing for fish. But when you begin to follow me, your desires are going to shift. And now you're going to have this desire to fish for people. And the same thing Jesus said to his disciples over 2,000 years ago, he still says to you and me today, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Go fish 
for people, the greatest focus and desire of your life when you begin to follow me will shift. It will no longer be about money, power, prominence, popularity, promotion. Nothing wrong with those things. If God blesses you with money or power, popularity or promotion or influence, nothing wrong with that. But when you follow Jesus, your desire shifts and those things no longer are your great focus of life. Now your focus becomes, I know I'm called to fish for people. You see, friends, found the people, find people. And immediately when I bring up the subject of fishing for people or the subject of evangelism, there are all types of thoughts and feelings happening right now in this place. Right now there are thoughts like, oh no, pastor's getting ready to hand out some tracks. We're getting ready to get busy. Some are thinking, oh no, is he going to say we got to go door to door and do evangelism? Some of you have this image in your mind, oh no, he's going to say, we got to go stand on the street corners and preach in a megaphone and tell people, you better get right with God or you're going to hell. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about, folks. When we talk about fishing for people, that's not what we're talking about. There are some of you that are actually thinking to yourself, man, pastor, that's awesome. I love Jesus, but I'm really, that's just not for me. I'm going to keep my faith to myself because if I get in a conversation with somebody about my faith, there's no way I will win. There's no way I'll be able to help convert them because I don't know enough of the Bible. And you have all of these feelings and all of these emotions today. And what I want to do is today and over the next couple of weeks, we, we want to help ease your tension, ease those feelings, because they're real feelings that people have. And we want to equip you to fish for people. You're called, hear me today, you're called to be a fisher of people. And we want to equip you the next two weeks, the next two following weeks. And here's why. We're getting ready to enter into what I would call a prime fishing season. Easter is coming up just in a few weeks. Our Easter services will be on March 31st and April 1st. And last year, we have set a record for 15 years in a row. We had over 13,000, 13,200 people plus were at our campuses. It's a prime time. We got to learn how to fish for people because some of your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors need to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so fishing season is right in front of us. And then the next weekend after Easter, April 8th, I've invited Daryl Strawberry. And some of you don't know who he is, but Daryl Strawberry won the World Series with the New York Mets. He was one of the star players with Dwight Gooden. And, and then he went to play for the New York, uh, New York Yankees. And in 1996 and 98 and 99, he helped them win a World Series series championship as well and back in those days Dwight Gooden was strung out on cocaine living wild and I'm invited him because now his life is on fire for Jesus Christ he's radical him and his wife for Jesus I'm going to interview them it's an opportunity to invite to invite your friends and family people who are far from God we're going fishing because that story is going to compel people I'm starting a series after Easter called the comeback Daryl made a comeback I made a comeback. Anybody else in the house made a comeback before? Jesus gives people comebacks, and we're going to have a series to invite your friends and family to, because I believe God wants to give them a comeback. And then on our 16th anniversary as a church on Mother's Day, May 13th, we're going to have our second annual Back to the Movies series. We're going to take movies that are popular and show redemptive truths in those movies, have popcorn and, and soda and all kinds of stuff for the kids. Why? Because it's fishing season, and we're going to reach people far from 
from God, and I want to equip you. We want to help you to fish for people. And here's the reality. There are a lot of reasons that Christians don't fish for people. I mean, God's Word tells us, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people. Why then do so many Christians not fish for people? I want to give you three top reasons, three reasons we don't fish for people, three reasons we don't fish for people. Number one is this, people don't know they're supposed to fish. They don't know. That, that day when Peter and the disciples were fishing and Jesus came up to them and talked to them, they had no clue that they were called to fish for people. And some of you are just like Peter. You did not know that you're supposed to fish. You're hearing it right now. You're thinking, really? I'm supposed to fish for people? Are you serious? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking right now to yourself, uh-uh, pastor, that's your job. I got a job. I got an occupation. You do the fishing. I'm going to come and do the listening. No, 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 no. I want you to understand that every Christian is called to do two things, follow Jesus and fish for people. We're all called to follow Jesus and fish for people. Found the people, find people. Let me give you a second reason why, why we don't fish for people. Number two is this, people don't know how to fish. They don't know how to fish. Some of you are right there today. You're thinking, Pastor, I would fish if I knew how. I have no clue what to do. I don't know what to say. I wouldn't even know where to start. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you, notice those words, make you fishers of men. Jesus said, I want to make you, I want to equip you to fish for people. I want to show you how. And today and over the next two weeks, that's what we're going to do. We want to equip you. We want to help you. We want to help you learn how to fish for people. It is not as difficult as some of you think it is. It's really not. Today what I'm going to do is give you a theological overview of fishing. I want you to understand the importance, the biblical importance of fishing. And then the next two weeks, we're going to get really, really practical. I, I don't care if you've been saved for just two minutes or if you've been saved for 50 years. We're going to share some things that are going to really help you do what God's called you to do. And that's fishing people, some really practical things that's going to be so good and so helpful. I want to encourage you, don't miss the next two weeks. If you have to miss your own spring break vacation or something, be sure to get online and watch the message. We want to equip you to do what God has called you to do. No matter your occupation, no matter how old or young you are, you are called to fish for people. Number three is this. A third reason people don't fish is people are scared to fish. They're scared to fish for people. Luke chapter 5 and verse 10 says, And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, then, then said to Simon, Don't be afraid. That's where some of you are right now. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And the reality is, a lot of us would not, we wouldn't admit it, but we're scared to fish for people. I don't know what to say. Or I'm embarrassed to bring up anything about my faith. My, my faith is private. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want people to think I'm one of those crazy Christians, one of those crazy evangelists, so I'm just going to keep it private. What if I bring it up and I mess up? 
What if I look stupid? What if I get rejected? And so many people have fear of, of fishing for people. And over the next couple of weeks, we want to help remove your fear. And even today, I want to help change your perspective about fishing. Oftentimes, we have a wrong perspective about fishing for people. Let me, let me ask you this question. I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to begin to think about the person most responsible for you coming to Christ. And think about their attributes, their qualities. Think about the person that's most responsible for you coming to Christ. For many of us, we would say they were kind, they were loving, they were caring, they were generous, they were prayerful. Most of the people that helped us come to Christ, they weren't jerks. They weren't obnoxious. They didn't say, you better get in this boat right now, you fish. Get in this boat now. Not, not for most of us. Some of y'all had some crazy people, you know what I'm saying? But for most of us, that was not the case. Most people had somebody put together a lure that attracted you to the good news of Jesus. That's what happened to me. That's my story. It was my football coaches, my high school football coach, I'll never forget, Billy Brown, Guy Tucker, and I remember them having a fellowship of Christian athletes uh, uh, event after Thursday practices and Thursday evening, and, and I did not go to that. Many of you know my story. I didn't go there for, for Jesus. I didn't show up at that football locker room at 7 o'clock that night for Jesus. I showed up for free pizza. That is why I went. Listen to me. I didn't come to Jesus because I was going after Jesus. I came to Jesus because I wanted some Pizza Hut pizza. And Pizza Hut was the only pizza joint in Wewoka. Pray for my hometown. They didn't shut Pizza Hut down. Come on, somebody. How you gonna shut? How you gonna shut down Pizza Hut and Wewoka? It's the only place we got to eat. Pray for my city. That's a whole other message, though. But anyways, I went there for pepperoni pizza. I went there for free sausage pizza. And that night I went there for pizza, but I left for Jesus. That's why I believe in outreach. I'm a big believer in outreach. I'm a big, that's why we have Easterland and we'll have a one weekend theme park and we'll have Daryl Strawberry to interview him. It's attractive. That's why we'll have Back to the Movies and have a series called The Comeback because friends, we want to put a lure out there to make it easy for you to invite your friends and family to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He's the savior of the world. He wants to save their soul. And we want to help you do that. And I want to help shift your thinking about fishing. People are scared to fish, but oftentimes they have the wrong process in thinking about fishing. And we're going to help unpack that the next couple of weeks and get real practical with you. Here's what I want to do is we're looking at a theological overview of fishing. This is huge. It's huge. You're called to this. I want to give you four reasons we need to fish for people. Four reasons we need to fish for people. Number one is this. Fishing is a commandment. It's a commandment. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, our goal should be to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Now, in today's world, there are people that say, hey, I'm a Christian, and what I did is I confessed Jesus as my Savior, then I lived however I wanted to live, and then I told Jesus to follow me. Hey, hey Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do. I'm going to live how I want to live, and then I want you to follow me. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I'm not your homeboy. I don't follow you. You follow me. You don't call the shots. I call the shots. And friends, we follow Jesus because he's the one that hung, bled, and died and rose again for our sins. He's the Savior of the world. I don't ask him to follow me. I follow him. He's my Savior. And Jesus tells us, follow me, and I'll make you fishers 
of people. And this was not a suggestion. It was a commandment. Jesus says, I want fishing to be the mission of your life. We actually call it the great commission, not, not the great suggestion. We call, the church calls it, some of you, maybe your first time hearing this, we call it the great commission. You can find what I'm talking about in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Jesus says, therefore go. In other words, church, don't you just gather, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, I know you Christians like to gather. I know you like to pray. I know you like to worship. I know you like to hear the preaching. I know you like to come together. But, and that's fine. That's good. But don't you just gather. I need you to go out and make disciples. Go out and fish for people. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Don't just gather. Go. John chapter 17, verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, Jesus said, I am sending them, you and me, into the world. He says, don't just gather, go. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus said this, the harvest is great. The harvest is plentiful, but I just don't have enough workers who will go fish for people. And friends, the gravitational pull for all of us is inward. The gravitational pull of our church is to just do what's best for us. And friends, we can't let that happen. We, we can't let it happen. Listen, we don't have a hardened sinner problem. We have an uncommitted Christian problem. I want that to sink in. Jesus said, no, 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 don't you blame it on the sinner. They're just lost. They'll never come to God. He said, don't blame the sinner. That's not their fault. He said, the harvest is great. It's plentiful. Here's our real issue is I just need some more workers who won't just gather, but they'll realize that I've called them to go and be the light of the world. Go be a city on a hill that, that lets his light shine to go. God, send, out, send us out as workers. Amen, church? Send us out. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus did not say, you're going to receive power so you can have a whole lot of fun in church. Woo! He didn't say, you're going to receive power so you can just dance and shout in church. That's not what he says. Thank God for good church services. I love good services and great worship and praising God. Thank God for that. But that's not why God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us his power. He empowers his church so that he can send us out to be witnesses in this world. Friends, that's the great commission. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit. The reason God gave us his Holy Spirit, the reason he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, the reason he refills us with the power of the Holy Spirit is not for a bless me club, but to go be light and salt, to go share our faith, to go lead people to Christ, to go fish for people. If you're new to People's Church, I, I want you to hear my heart of, of what we're all about here at People's Church. I want you to know that we really do love you. We, we care about you. We, 
We want you to grow in your faith. We want to be there for your family. We want to be there for you. That's our heart as a church. But I want you to know that's not why we primarily exist. We're not here just for us. Listen, we are the church, and we exist for the world. You are the church. You say, no, Pastor, I'm in church right now. No, 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 you are the church. Come on, look at your neighbor and just tell them, you are the church. Yeah, you are. This is just a building. You are the church, and you're here for the world. We're just not here for us. We're here for those who aren't here yet. We're the church, and we believe that God has called us to make a difference in the world. Go into the world. Let me give you a second reason people don't fish, and that is this, or a second reason people we should fish, I should say, a second reason we should fish, and that is fishing is necessary. Fishing is necessary. I want us to understand that fishing is not a game. Fishing is not a church growth strategy. Fishing is not about a church getting larger. Let me tell you what fishing is about. I believe this with all in my heart. There's a real heaven and a real hell. And people will spend eternity in one of those places. And a great deal of where people will spend eternity depends on how well the church does fishing for people. You see, God has called us to be his hands and feet. God, has, he empowers. He doesn't empower dogs and cats and parrots. No, he empowers us to take the good news, the message of salvation to the world. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Wow. And some of you in this place today, you have beautiful feet because you share the love of God with others. You invite people to church. Your feet look amazing. Just turn to your neighbor and just tell them, I got good looking feet. Go ahead. Tell, go ahead and tell them, yes. Yes. Check them out. Check out my feet. Come on, tell them, I got it going on. I didn't even get a pedicure to look this good. Come on, tell them. Just tell them, touch my feet right now. I'm just playing. Don't you do that. Don't take it that far. And some of you got crusty feet. Stanky, nasty, ugly. A pedicure won't help you. Because you don't share the good news of Jesus with people. And how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe if they never hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And friends, I think we get so focused on the wrong things as a church. I thank God for our church. And I love churches all across our city and all across Oklahoma and Indianapolis and all across America and the world. I thank God for the church in our city. We've got great churches. But there are four, over 400,000 people. 400, actually the number is 421,000 unchurched people in the Oklahoma City metro area. I think we're focused on the wrong number. It's not the hundreds of thousands who are in church. It's those who are not here yet. That's our mission field. In Indianapolis where we have a church, there are 611,000 unchurched people in Indianapolis metro area. 
And our job is, God, we don't want anybody to go to hell. We care about reaching them because you care. It's not okay with us because it's not okay with you. Fishing is necessary. We're called to fish. We were born for this. Number three is this. A third reason we fish is fishing is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16 says, I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says. It's so powerful. He said, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'll never boast about preaching, he says. I am compelled by God to do it. Oh, God, would you let that sink in today? I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Paul knew he had a responsibility to fish for people. He knew he was called to fish. Some translations say it like this. It says, woe to me. Or it says, woe unto me if I don't fish for people I know I have a responsibility. Paul understood that. And friends, we all have a responsibility to fish for people. I want to show you this in Ezekiel, how Ezekiel describes our responsibility. Matter of fact, as I was studying this week and looking at commentaries and cross-referencing, there are, are, are many writers of commentaries that believe that Paul was referring to this Ezekiel passage of Scripture. And there are a couple of other places in Paul's writings in, in the New Testament where, where he kind of refers to this responsibility of sharing our faith. And, and the commentaries believe he got this burden from the, the Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 33, verse 7, it says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning for me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their, to their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. I want you to understand this is not a salvation issue of us sharing our faith, but it sure is a responsibility that we have. And what I want you to understand is that you are a watchman. Hear me, just like Paul was a watchman to the Gentiles and to Israel, you are a watchman. There are certain people that God has called you to reach, some of your family, you're a watchman over them. Some of the people at your workplace that you have influence with, you're a watchman over them. You're a watchman over some of your neighbors that you have influence with. You're a watchman over them. You're a watchman over some people that you play, your, your kids play sports and activities with. You're a watchman over them. I want you to understand some of you are at your school, you are a watchman over some of the friends that you're hanging around. You're a watchman, and you've got to feel the same responsibility that Paul had. How terrible for me to have this good news about Jesus and never share it with anyone I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Here's what I want us to do. There's a connection card in the back of your seat pocket, and I want all of us today, I want you to write down who you're praying for and believing to give their heart to Jesus. This Easter season, this season that we're entering to, this ripe fishing season. And I want to pray with you, but I don't want you just to write your information and name and, and who you're praying for. I want you to begin to pray for God to give you wisdom and strategy on how you can build a relationship and see them come to faith in Christ. 
We're going to pass the offering buckets in just a few moments, in just a little bit. Would you, would you write down your information? Would you write down who you're praying? I want us to pray with you. Our staff wants to agree with you in prayer for some of your family, for some of your friends to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We have a responsibility to fish. Number four is this. Number four is this. Here's the fourth reason we need to fish, and that is fishing is rewarding. It's so rewarding. It's so exciting to fish. It's exciting. Matter of fact, I showed you a video last year of my son. He's, he's now nine. He was six years old at the time. And I want you to check him out as he is fishing in Minnesota. Check this out. Oh, yeah, he's got... Oh! Oh! Get in! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My little guy. Ah! 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 We caught one fish. We didn't catch no more. You scared them all off. How many know what I'm talking about? Be quiet. But the brother was excited about catching him some fish. Let me tell you something. It's exciting to catch fish. It's rewarding to catch fish. I'm telling you what, there's nothing more exciting and more exhilarating as a Christian then when you know that you played a role in somebody's salvation story, there's nothing more exciting and rewarding that you know that you played a role in changing somebody's eternal destination. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more rewarding. Think about this. Can you imagine having the cure for cancer? I pray in my lifetime that happens. Somebody gets the cure for cancer. And can you imagine having the cure for cancer and watching people all around you with cancer and never telling them about the cure? Can you imagine that, having the cure? But wouldn't it be so awesome and exciting and rewarding to have the cure for cancer and to be able to help people and see them recover from cancer? It would be exciting and exhilarating and rewarding to watch people get healthy again because you have the cure. And friends, can I tell you, we have the cure for spiritual poverty. We have the cure for addictions. We have the cure for sin. We have the cure for bondage. We have the cure for emptiness. We have the cure for people that are lost and confused and bound. And the cure, his name is Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He forgives sins. He heals broken hearts. And we have the answer. And there's nothing like seeing somebody who's broken. Have you been there and they're lost and they're confused? They're doing all kind of crazy stuff and you see them and you're thinking to yourself, how's that working for you? Not working, is it? All the stuff you're chasing after is not working, is it? Uh-uh, it's not working. And then to offer them in a way that's attractive, Jesus Christ. We're going to help you do that for the next couple of weeks. And to see people give their heart and their life 
to Jesus. I'm telling you, there's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more exciting. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, it talks about, it describes how exciting this can be. It says in verse number 7 about the lost sheep, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, thank God for the righteous people. God says, thank God for them. They're serving me. They love me. You guys keep eating and kubayang. I sure hope you go out and, and, and make a difference and go into the world. But I'm telling you, the thing that I throw a party over, the angels are high-fiving and slapping and running around and jumping and shouting. I'm telling you what they get excited about and throw a party over. One. Just one. Every time. One. I don't need nine. When one lost person. It says, I give my life to Jesus. There's a party in heaven. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing people come to Christ and knowing you played a part in their decision.